0: Alright, what is going on everybody? It is me and Matt. We are back with you guys here again today on this beautiful Tuesday. Week 1 is officially in the books. We finished up our last two games last night with the Steelers and the Giants and the Titans and the Broncos. Matt has got Von Miller there swinging by. He's got, you know, unfortunately with the injury, nothing better to do than to hang out and talk some fantasy football with us there. <laughs> But we uh we will be talking uh recapping Monday Night Football and doing a uh, waiver wires a little bit of possibly what we got wrong in our rankings. I forgot to do this on Monday's episode, so I will not forget to do this today. We are brought to you guys by Thrive Fantasy. We are partnered with them. You guys can join by uh, going on there and entering the promo code Geek right down there on the bottom of the screen. You guys enter $20. You will get to $20 back. So we are thrilled to be a part of that. Jump on and uh, join them. It's a great daily fantasy site. We're also part of the drive in podcast network. You can find us and a ton of other great podcasts, including those on music, movies and pop culture, all on the music website as along with a, Link to our Discord channel where you have me, Matt, Dennis, Tony, and the guys over at the Debbie Delight. Ricky Valero and Chris Stoops giving you guys as much fantasy advice uh, that we can. So jump in there. It's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, We we do have a a lot of fun in there and it's all fantasy football. A little bit of nonsense and us kind of ribbing on each other. But Matt, obviously Monday night's second game did not go quite the way you wanted it to. So how is your Tuesday going for you?
1: Well, uh, you know, I'm catching up to feeling the way uh, you probably felt a little bit yesterday, um, except for, you know, uh, both of us are early risers for for our job, or at least in part me for my wife's job. So I knew I was getting up at 5 a.m. this morning, and I knew that today was going to be my 13 and a half hour day at work. (sighs) So as the game pushed past 11:30 p.m., I was like, "Well, at least we're still up." You know, it's looking and. That last two minutes, when I'm looking, it's like 11:45 uh, p.m. and I realize that Vic Fangio is not familiar with the concept of a timeout. Yeah, and they're they're gonna like either throw a touchdown or kick a field goal. I mean, the idea that he would miss a fourth field goal. So, you know, I'm also in my bedroom where my wife's been asleep for quite a while, and yeah. having previously, as I mentioned, woken her up with a Constructive criticism, <laughs> excited utterance toward the TV. I was sort of pacing at the end of the bed, watched a field goal, watched the worst attempt at moving the ball down the field for 17 seconds in the history of the world, turned off the TV, stared out the window, and tried to put myself to sleep.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was going to say, I, I've feel like I would understand your pain Thursday night because I I, you know we talked about this a little bit yesterday I think that might be a a good get well game for the Cincinnati Bengals unfortunately Uh, but I took off Friday because I did not want to be pissed off because I know what's going to happen if the Browns lose Thursday is I will be so pissed off I won't be able to sleep and then I'm going to be sitting there at two o'clock in the morning and realize well I got to get up in an hour so I might as well just stay up and be pissed off all day so I just went ahead and took off I was like you know what I got time to burn let's just take off Friday we could be miserable all by ourselves here and not have to worry about waking anybody up. Uh, but the uh the, the Broncos game was the second game. Uh, I actually thought both games were fairly interesting. Now I didn't get to finish watching the Titans-Broncos game last night. I made it to about halftime before I, I went to sleep. Uh but Steelers Giants was a good game as well. The Steelers won that one 26-2-16. Big Ben finishes the weakest QB 11 with 22 points. Benny Snell Jr. comes in and has to play for an injured James Conner. He finishes his RB 21 with 11 points. Juju looks like himself again with Ben back at quarterback. He finishes his wide receiver seven with 24 points and two touchdowns in that one. And then James Washington is the other guy, uh, the other wide receiver that kind of has a good game. Wide receiver 35 with 11 points. You know, it was good to see Juju back there. We were both guys who were very high on him last year. We we had him on a lot of teams, and I do think that a lot of it was just the fact that they didn't have Big Ben. Uh, so I would imagine you're going to see a, a little bit of a reemergence from Juju this year, so I was excited to see that. I think it's not easy for me to like players on the Steelers, but I think Juju is, is, clear, is easily one of my favorite players in the NFL. I just love the energy he brings. He, he really plays the game like a kid does. And then I don't know if you saw it. There was a, um, I don't think it was on Twitter. I, I saw it on Instagram. There was a video that was released today by sports center where he just went, he just bought some food and everything for a homeless yeah. man. And, and, didn't, and he, there was no way he knew that that person was recording him doing it. Like That's what I love about Juju. He just seems he's a, he's a guy, the people it seems like I know he loves video games and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm a big fan of his. So it's good to see him back. But aren't you worried a little bit about Deontay Johnson? I know we tried not to overreact too much after one week, and he did get 11 targets, I believe, in the game, but just did not produce much. And he was the guy this year that a lot of people were predicting to be kind of that breakout star for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense.
1: So a couple things for me. First, Deontay Johnson's kind of breakout and emergence last year came after the second week. So he didn't – You know, that wasn't an emergence with Ben – Roethlisberger and it was after injury with Juju Smith-Schuster I think especially in week one with no actual game reps it makes sense to me that Ben when he was kind of wheeling around was looking for the familiar you know he tried to force feed Connor a couple times before he got knocked out he saw him put the ball at Juju he's played a couple of years with Washington It wasn't that surprising that he kind of went there we saw him try to to put one to Vance McDonald wasn't, you know, always the greatest. He was, but he was trying to spread it around. The other thing, which I, I made some comments in our Discord, like when I was watching the first quarter, the first thing that came back to me is we forgot in all this time waiting for Ben to come back what road Ben is sometimes like. And I think we saw a steady dose of road, Ben. I even made a joke, which I was so close to actually copying to put it on Twitter when he hit Juju for the touchdown. I was like, I better wipe it out. I was like, (laughs) no no one loves Mason Rudolph more than Ben Roethlisberger, who's apparently trying to make us miss him with this first quarter because he looked out of sorts. He looked a little slow. He looked a little slow to react. But the guy hasn't played football in about a year. You know, and he's been rehabbing with his arm. They have changed some of their offensive pieces a little bit. So I, I think it'll come. I would be encouraged that Johnson got 11 targets. I think it'll be interesting. They have Denver at home this week. Uh, AJ Boye, which we'll probably get to in a minute, he, he dislocated his shoulder. It popped out a joint Oof. when he landed last night. That's why he came out. They said he's highly doubtful for following game, which means Ben making his home debut with a little bit of game action underneath him is gonna face a secondary that has Bryce Callahan, who's played one game in two years and two rookies.
0: Yeah, and we, we should mention that uh, there was a point where there was a lot of talk that Ben might be coming out. Um, He had that big sleeve on his elbow to help keep it warm, and Mason Rudolph started warming up on the sidelines. So that is something else that we probably could have looked at a little bit, with, especially that way that first – it was almost like the first half. altogether. Ben did not yeah. look good. He, he did start to turn it on a little bit in the second quarter, but yeah, he definitely looked uncomfortable out there, and, and some of that may have just been – like you just mentioned, he hasn't played football in, in almost an entire year. He grabbed him
1: his something. knee a couple of times, which was yeah. a little bit of a concern, especially that he had one where he had kind of a scramble, which he's never been the most graceful running quarterback, but he's looked better than he did on that run. And him, yeah. I, they repeatedly watched him grabbing his knee. So I don't know. We have to remember, he's 38. We've seen Rivers kind of fall off. Eli Manning retired. Those three were the three kind of big rookie QBs that came in together. Yep. I, I know, at least for me, I tend to forget, I guess, a little bit how many years, how much mileage, how much wear and tear Ben had on his body.
0: Yeah, and if Ben is hurt, I'm sure he will let us know here any day now when he has his press conference because he does love to let us know when he's hurt. Um, we obviously – there is a discussion that needs to be had around Connor and Snell, but we're going to save that for the waiver wire stuff because that the Snell talk is going to be huge for especially everybody in their waiver wires, which I'll have a question for you later on that too because I'm – have an issue with one of my leagues in that, and I don't like the way the commissioner is handling it. So I'm I'm interested to hear your opinion on this as well. On the Giants' side, uh, Daniel Jones finishes his QB 16 with 19 points. Barkley has a just horrible day here. RB 37 with just 6 points, and Darius Slayton finishes wide receiver 5 with 28 points. Barkley, I think you just kind of throw it away. I mean, the Steelers defense has – Steelers defense is one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's In all honesty, why when we talk about our rankings, you'll see that all of us were wrong on Darius Slayton because they have such a good secondary as well. I don't think any of us were expecting a huge game like that. Uh, I just think they knew they needed to stop Barkley, and I think that's what they kind of focused in on. And that offensive line looked bad last night i don't know how many times it looked like saquon was getting hit in the backfield as soon as daniel jones snapped the or got the ball from from the center so I, i'm just kind of wiping that away a little bit from barkley he did show a little bit on a couple big plays a couple good runs he had that one i think it was a pass play where he ended up hurdling two people on the same play that was yeah. actually kind of fun to watch uh, but with darius slayton is he kind of stepped up to be the guy for you so last year he scored I believe in the last six games and he's the only player in the past. What was the stat? I wish I could remember that has four, four games with multiple touchdowns. So, I mean, he's been on fire since coming into the league here last year. Again, didn't do much the first half of the season, but has been on fire here the second half. And then again, has the big game last night.
1: Yeah. And it's, he definitely had a great performance. What I reflected on early uh, it seemed like they were trying to force the ball into Shepard and to Ingram. And those guys either couldn't get open or looked rusty and were struggling. Tate was also out. Yeah, They tried to force it down a lot to Barkley. It's almost like finally like, well, I guess we'll just try to throw out to Slayton and see what happens. And, of course, he gets, you know, his first touchdown was a huge over-the-top yeah. play. It felt like a little bit of a broken coverage. So is it, you know, is it just a continuation or is it the same kind of thing we talked a little bit about with Robbie Anderson yesterday? They were peppering a lot of different guys with targets and he's the one that got a couple of big plays.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm interested. It's not he's not someone that I think I'm um necessarily starting every week but he's working his way up that point for me because i agree with you that first one, i I don't remember exactly i I have to go back and look at it because i I remember the play happening but i was more like as i was watching i was like god that was a beautiful throw by 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 Mm -hmm. daniel jones like i didn't really see if there was a a break in the coverage or anything
1: well and they definitely seem to have a rapport which is yeah something that would be kind of in his favor, and that was probably partly due to injuries last year. So many of the Giants' pass catchers were missing. He's probably the one Daniel Jones is most comfortable with, and that can end up having it rise to the top.
0: Yeah, and I was to say the one, unfortunately, bad part, uh, too, was the interception that he threw when he was getting hit by Bud Dupree. It looked like that's who he was looking for. Slayton was the one that was in the back of the end zone. Now, he was covered by, like, four Steelers, so I don't think that was getting completed anyways. But it does look like he tends to look for Slayton down the field, and Jones has the arm and the accuracy to do that. So I think... I don't even want to say it was more even of a Tate being out because Tate works in the completely opposite part of the field. He's going to work more toward the line of scrimmage and everything kind of where they were forcing the ball in earlier, like you had mentioned uh, to Shepard and Ingram. But I would like to see what Slayton looks like once Tate comes back. Uh, But uh, he is a guy that I'm starting to, especially in deeper leagues, if, if, If I'm starting more than one flex, he might be a guy that I'm willing to throw my flex by every single week. Because with the way that that Giants defense looked in the secondary at times against Pittsburgh, now again, Pittsburgh is one of the better teams in the league. I I think they might be down more often than not. So they're going to have to throw the ball. And I think that that might mean it's going to end up going to, uh, to Slayton more than anybody else.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, that's the part. I'm wondering about – it seemed like the Steelers correctly thought some of the same things that we thought going in, that they were going to try to get Shepard and Ingram yeah. and Barkley involved, and they tried to do that, and those Steelers were all over that. It seemed like it ended up being that Slayton had the best matchup. When I just looked at targets, he got nine, Barkley got nine, seven for Ingram, six for Shepard. I think they kind of went away uh, – went – towards Slayton because that was the one part that was working. It will be interesting to see, based on this, do defenses change what they're keying on? They're always going to key on Barkley, I feel like, because that's the nature of it. But it looked like the Steelers really were expecting them to try to go to the tight ends and were really locking that down. So that didn't work and that they were all over Shepard and Slayton ended up being the guy with the favorable matchups. Does that continue? Does the rapport continue? I, I would tend to Based on what we've seen, he's the one I would probably be rostering, but I'm a little bit yeah. like you. I don't know if I have a hundred percent confidence to start him, depending on my options.
0: All right, so Titans Broncos, we will rely heavily on Matt for this one. As, as he mentioned, he unfortunately miserably stayed up all night to watch it. I, I only made it through halftime, so I, I did not see all of this go down. Ryan Tannehill finishes his QB 16 with, with 19 points. Derek Henry, RB 15 with 13 points. Corey Davis. Wide receiver, 17 with 17 points. A.J. Brown, just wide receiver, 53 with 8.9, though I am told that he missed out on a big play in this one. And then Jonu Smith, my my tight end sleeper on the week, tight end eight with 13 points. So I did like that he got involved, saw that he got two – or he got both of Ryan Tannehill's touchdowns. Uh, but
1: I thought one of the other tight ends got a touchdown.
0: No, I believe it was Jonu Smith on both of them. I could have been wrong, but when I looked at it, I thought it said he had he had both touchdowns. Cause I was excited for that. Cause I think I had him at like ten or eleven this week, and
1: yeah, and they were definitely looking for tight ends.
0: I will. Uh, Michael
1: Pruitt got the other tight. Oh,
0: okay. So he got. So then he only got one. Okay, yeah. I don't really yeah. thought that he got two. Four for 36 in a TD. Gotcha. gotcha. But uh, so what, what were your kind of takeaways from them? Again, I, I did not get a chance to watch any of this. I saw a couple of Corey Davis's big plays. We'll get to Corey Davis in a little bit, but just kind of your overall takeaway from the, uh, the Titans offense, which again, from what I saw looked mostly like they were getting stopped by Denver again, which is something we talked about yesterday.
1: Yeah. So Denver, I think was keying on AJ Brown, um, you know, really trying to watch for that one. and, trying to work to take out Henry. Um, You know, I had mentioned, I thought the outside and the flats would be a little place where they were vulnerable. Henry's best runs came when he was able to break, contain outside and go outside. They had a couple of early screens that were very successful. uh, And they had a couple of play action plays where they were able to sweep over the middle. And I think that's why you saw so much to Humphrey and Davis. Um, Brown, the last you know, when they were going to try to take the lead Tannehill just missed a corner out in the end zone. That would have, that would have been to AJ Brown. That probably would have propped his stats up. I think he ha- he'll have better games. It did seem like the Titans were trying to be more aggressive passing wise and to spread it around more, maybe trying to get more people involved because I think, you know, they're not dumb either. They know that the, the book on them was Derrick Henry's going to pound it to you, and there's only one receiver you should be worried about. They want to kind of change that. Davis made the most of his opportunities. I thought he was very efficient. He made some contested catches. He had a beautiful catch that he registered on the sideline, actually, on the play that took Boye out, um, you know, where he fought for the ball, drug his feet. He looked pretty good. Can he continue it? I think my biggest question with Corey Davis is we've seen some flashes like this in playoff games or in other spots in the season where he's put up a good game, but it doesn't seem consistent. Um, But, you know, some people had wondered, was he going to be in line for that kind of Devontae Parker fantasy zombie breakout? Uh, And obviously off to a pretty good start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um I'm I'm excited about that for him. On the Broncos side, Drew Locke finishes his QB twenty-six with thirteen points. Melvin Gordon, RB sixteen with twelve points. Jerry Judy, wide receiver 46 with nine points, and then Noah Fant tied in three with 19 points. So it did seem like Fant stepped up there with Sutton being out. Again, something we talked about Monday. We kind of expected him to be the one more than Judy. Judy still did look good, though, from from the things that I saw. And then obviously we we know that uh Gordon fumbles the ball at one point. Lindsay comes in and seems to be the guy. Then he gets hurt. Gordon comes back in and kind of finishes out the game. Uh, so what what was your kind of overall takeaways from the Denver off- offense and then kind of anything on, on Lindsay on what's going on with his injury?
1: Yeah, Lindsay, they haven't given an immediate update. He has some kind of a foot injury. It bears watching. Um It was kind of a bummer to me. I know a lot of people were like, well, Melvin Gordon ended up really great. He had 15 carries for 78 yards. He had one carry of 25 yards that he managed to break uh, one where the kind of defense missed. So if he took that away, he had uh, 14 carries for uh, 50 yards, which isn't that incredible. Um, Their entire running game wasn't that incredible I wasn't super excited about the plays It was a very frustrating game to watch I thought at times Fant was incredible in the first half And then I didn't see them go to him at all In the second half They didn't have a lot of second half drives And opportunities The Titans had a lot of long drives And the Broncos were responding with some three and outs Judy was okay I thought he would be fine I didn't expect an exceptional game He had two devastating drops in the second half. I would actually say that was a big factor in them losing. They got a punt uh, with only a few minutes left in the fourth quarter up by a point that put them in Titans territory. And Judy was wide open, got hit in stride in the hands. What would have been a first down that would have put them in field goal range and kept the clock going and just
0: flat dropped it. So he pulled the no
1: Yeah, he, on, on an early uh, second-half drive, he was coming over the formation wide open and just laid it on the ground on third down, too. I think those are things that will come. you got to remember, it's his first professional game. A lot of pressure there in the fourth quarter without a Sutton. You know, Hamler was out last night. There isn't a lot of – I like Tim Patrick as a utility player and – I, I want Deshaun Hamilton to develop into oh, something. Yeah. They're really not serious threats. And I think the Titans must have figured out a way to take Fant out of the game because he just – either that or the play calling. I I don't know. Right. It, there were some really great moments. There were some kind of disappointing moments. I think for me the biggest disappointment I had was – the way Fangio decided to play the last two minutes and not take any timeouts and not try to save any time, we didn't get a chance to see if – I mean, Brandon McManus, they just gave him a huge contract. He's hit 60-plus-yard field goals a mile high in, in practice. He's got a huge leg. They didn't even give themselves a chance to try to work it up around midfield and do a Hail Mary kick to win. So that was a little disappointing.
0: Well, I think some of that is, you know, the new rule—you can carry timeouts over to next week, right? So now, if Vic Fangio can bring those timeouts with them, you know, I thought at least I, I heard that somewhere. I'm not sure if that's may have
1: inspired my uh, my tag today.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I, it's unfortunate. Um, you know, I, I will say that part of me, while I'm never happy to see the the Broncos, Lions, and Colts lose, at least we're all commiserating together here this week on the round table because uh, not one of our teams was able to pull out a win this week. And you and the – you guys, actually all three of your games were a lot closer than, than the Browns game. So at least you have that going for you. You at least had a chance to win. Mine disappeared sure. after like the first quarter.
1: Dennis, Dennis and I's team both managed to find a way to blow yeah. the game at the end of the fourth quarter, so we have a solidarity there.
0: Yeah, exactly. All right, so um, we are going to focus on waiver wire stuff here. Uh, I'm just going to kind of – I went through and pulled a lot of the guys that I've seen. I'm in a, a bunch of redraft leagues, so some a little bit deeper. I, I'm in a couple that are you know 12 teams, but we have 18-man rosters and everything, and you start multiple flexes. So I went through and pulled a bunch of names that – look to be the top guys on the waiver wires. And we're just going to kind of talk about them, how you would rank them, who you would kind of attack if you were sitting here. So we'll start with the QB position. Uh, the top guys seem to be Minshew, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, and Teddy Bridgewater. So if you're sitting there with – and I'll use one of my teams as, exa- as, as an example. I've got Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield as my quarterbacks in one of these uh, redraft leagues. You know, Would you drop Baker – and attack one of these guys. And if so, how, how would you rank those, those five guys?
1: You know, it's tough. I, of the two of them, Wentz might scare me more cause he functionally has no, has no blocking. I don't know if I, if I'm dropping, you know, those two, if I w- was going for an example, but of the quarterbacks you listed, based on what I've seen, I, I think Tannehill is never super impressive, but watching him, or it doesn't seem super impressive when you're yeah. thinking about him in a vacuum. But watching him last night and you know, they they had a reminder of how efficient he was. He was the top play action passer. That's something that they can do. You know, when I was looking at that list, Carr too is another guy I would put in those yeah. roles, both those guys have an incredible running back that is going to be a focal point of the defense that gives you so much when you can play action and they have a lot of weapons. I was, if I was a Titans fan, I'd feel pretty excited about the way they, you know, spread the ball around and were moving the ball. That game shouldn't have been as close as it was. Steven Goskowski missed three field goals uh, that were between 42 and 47 and also shanked an extra point. Um, so I would say the Titans had a much better, better offensive performance than you might think from looking at the score, and that's why Tannehill put up some decent numbers. He is not super exciting, but if you're in Superflex, I think he's going to be a bankable, reliable QB2 that you can put in there every week.
0: Yeah, if so especially Superflex, I think I'm, I would go after Tannehill, Carr, and Minshew. I mean, Minshew just seems to – find ways to get it done uh, on the football field and for fantasy football. I think the last two, it it would probably be burrow for me a little bit more over Bridgewater, but then even again, Bridgewater put up a lot of points in that one too. Although Oakland's defense, probably a little bit worse than Vegas. So, I mean, I guess you could probably flip flop those two, Uh, but I'm with you. Tannehill and Carr are really intriguing to me. And as much as I hate to say this, while i agree that I think Baker's upside might be a little bit more, I think all of those guys have safer floors, which, yeah. which is why I kind of might take one of those guys over Baker. Just because the other thing with Wentz, and, and just my, my example specifically, Wentz also gets injured a lot as well. So I might have to end up relying on someone, and I'm not sure right now I want to rely on Baker as my starting quarterback if Wentz goes down with an injury.
1: You know, I think the other reason that I tended towards Tannehill and Carr is um, they're less volatile. Yeah. You know, rookie quarterback in Borough, he's gonna have some super high highs, but we all expect he's gonna have some low lows, especially when you're playing a defense like Pittsburgh twice or Baltimore twice. To me, Minshew, we I, I thought he played very efficient. He he's got a ton of heart. We don't know how much elite talent Jacksonville has. They're not gonna get to play a middling Colts team every week. Yeah. And That's my same fear with Bridgewater. That's a that team's very much a work in progress, especially defensively. Trying to get things done, you know. So I think that's what separates to me Tannehill, and then probably Carr would be the one and two in that list for me. The volatility of the flow.
0: Yeah, and like I said, for, well, and, and Minshew and Bridgewater, for me, the reason I, I would keep them still below Tannehill and Carr, like you have them, but they would be close for maybe not. I think for me, Tannehill is, is the clear break for me. And then I think it's Carr. And I think Minshew and Bridgewater are close to Carr because while I agree both their defenses are bad, I think that also helps get them the volume and passing attempts that even if they're not having great days, they're going to be passing the ball so much they get you those like I don't want to compare Minshew and Bortles because I think Minshew is better than Bortles, but Bortles would be that guy where like the first two halves you've got six points from him, and then you go look at the end of the game and he got you 42 because all of a sudden they threw it 30 times in the second half of the game, and he somehow got you three touchdowns and ran for one. So that, that's kind of what I see from those. Now Bridgewater's not getting you rushing. Minshew probably could. I think Tannehill's obviously going to give you the most rushing upside out of all Min- those guys.
1: Minshew is the guy I would go to if I was yeah. to go big or go home. Gotcha. I think there are going to be, I mean, we saw it last year. There's Minshu mania and then there's, yeah. you know, Minshew Deflatia. Yeah.
0: You know? There you go. There you, we gotta, we gotta make that a thing now. <laughs> All right, so running backs, this one's a a little bit more interesting. So the top guys on the waiver wire right now, Naheem Hines, Benny Snell, Malcolm Brown, Adrian Peterson, James Robinson, Jarek McKinnon, Frank Gore, and Josh Adams. I'm going to kind of separate the last two out because that's going to be more of a Jets thing. I posted this on Twitter, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. I, I'm not someone who's going to go all in on Naheem Hines. I'm I'm a little worried that everybody is comparing him. I literally saw people making this this exact thing on Twitter, saying, "Hey, Naheem Eckler is going to be the guy that you need to get on your wave wires this week because he is going to be the next next Austin Eckler just because Philip Rivers is his quarterback." That's just not the right comparison to make. Uh, I think he is going to have that. I think a lot of that was game script, but the fact that Taylor got six catches, three of which happened. While Mac was still in the game before Mac got hurt, clearly showed to me that they wanted Taylor to be involved in the offense. Now Mac is unfortunately out. Taylor can catch the ball. I do think Hines has a role. I do not see him being an Austin Eckler, though. I, I do think that this is going to be mostly Jonathan Taylor. So well, I do think Eckler, or not Eckler, see, there we go. Now I'm doing it. Hines holds his own value, and I could see him finishing as like a low-end RB2 this year, just based on the amount of, uh, as I think the Colts are going to be behind a lot. I I don't see a lot of games where they're going to be up and and force-feeding Taylor to keep them up. Uh, I do think Hines kind of brings in some probably lower-tier RB2 value, but I don't see him being the best out of this. Like, if I had to rank these guys for me, I think it'd be... I think I'd go Malcolm Brown is the number one. He looked the best out of all of them. Snell is close, but we don't know what's going to happen with Connor. And that's going to be kind of the next big thing to talk about is we know Connor got hurt. We don't know if he's going to be out very much longer. If you know Connor's going to be out, then I think you've got to throw Snell right up there at the top two because Snell looked good. But how are you kind of attacking the, these top three guys? Because I think it's those three, then a tier break, you get some of those other guys. You might even be able to throw James Robinson up there, so you can if you want. But just kind of give me how you would attack your, your free agency or FAB if you're in, in free agent bid system uh, for these running backs on the way work, uh, for for most people's process tomorrow morning. So.
1: Yeah, and I'm kind of with you. I think Hines will have a role, and if you're looking for somebody who you can throw in, especially in PPR as a flex or something like that, he's definitely worth picking up. He should be owned everywhere, especially with what happened to Marlon Mack. But my greatest fear, if you were thinking about spending like 80% of your FAB budget, is we've seen his best game. It's it's possible, you know, because he had two touchdowns in there, 27 points you know i don't think he's going to rise up and to be the in the top five top 10 you know very much this season you could you know i've seen people make that same argument about malcolm brown i would say the difference there is while there was draft capital and most people expected taylor to be kind of a primary player at some point you know maybe not week one because he's a rookie, and the, his coach has come out and said Taylor's our guy. He's going to be our main rusher. There's been a lot of uncertainty about the Rams. You know, Nothing yeah. that Sean McVeigh has said indicates that he loves Cam Akers or thinks Daryl Henderson's the guy. Malcolm Brown has consistently was a guy that came in and got a, a lot of work when Gurley was unavailable. So I think it makes sense. He's a veteran in that system who has the respect of his coach. And if you just had the eye test going against the same defense with the same offense, he looked much better. Yeah, He looked much more comfortable. Now, is it possible that by the end of the season, the roles even out or even flip a little bit? Yeah, that's possible. But I think right now if I'm looking – for somebody that I can start with upside because the running back position has just been savaged. I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning yeah. and a few teams where I thought, man, I got four or five guys, I'm in good shape, and now I got like one and a half guys. And I'm like, yeah. okay, this did not work out. And, and that's where I kind of fall with Snell. Snell looked good. Did he look good because he's taking that job or because – Connor wasn't in there because many of us, most of us thought Connor was going to be a top 10 running back for the same reason that snow looked good because that giant's defense is not incredible. He is somebody that, you know, if you own James Connor and you don't have Snell and he's on the waiver wire, you should do everything in humanly possible to go get him because that's the guy I would target the most. But if you're just trying to pick up a running back, I'm more interested in Malcolm Brown and Adrian Peterson. We talked about it. You know, I think Detroit is much like that New England tree he came off of. They want a guy who's going to be a grinder. Right that now, that's not going to be Swift, and it certainly looks like it's not going to be carrying on Johnson. You know, Adrian Peterson is not a super sexy name in twenty twenty, but all he, all he does is grind out yards. You know, when you picked him up, uh, when he was with Washington last year, he probably held you steady, helped you win some weeks because he's he's not going to give you 25 points, but he's probably going to give you between six and 12 points steadily and maybe more if he gets a touchdown.
0: Yeah. I don't think Peterson is a bad call either. I went in and looked at that a little bit more. And I know you kind of mentioned this yesterday because I was a little bit worried about what might happen with Swift. I didn't realize that Swift was out on the field more than the other two as well, more than both of them combined. So they clearly had Swift in their game plan yesterday, Uh, I guess I'm a little bit luckier on my running back situation. I'm someone who took Jonathan Taylor in as many places as I could when it came to redraft. So right now I'm looking a lot better because I have that, Uh, but I do have some teams where I'm not, I'm not looking great. And so I'm with you. I think Malcolm Brown is the guy. Benny Snell is another guy I'm targeting. Like if you're sitting you know, any if you're not sitting one, you're obviously like, I don't think you're going to get Malcolm Brown. I think Malcolm Brown's likely going to be one of the top two off him. And I think a lot of people are going to go after Hines again. I, neither one of us are suggesting. I still think he should be on, like you said, but he's not. If I have one, two or three for me, it's probably Brown, Snell, then Heinz, Peterson. Like I could see you taking Heinz over Peterson. I wouldn't. I wouldn't argue that, especially in PPR, because you're going to get those PPR points where you're I don't think well, – while Peterson caught three passes on Sunday, I don't see that continuing. At least he can probably catch three, but not as much as Hines is likely going to get yeah. every single week.
1: Well, and that's when you get past those four. Yeah. To me, you're taking more shots. I have James Robinson that I rostered in a few spaces when I had some injuries and had some space. You know, I think we kind of saw what we're going to see from him. I would say his ceiling is probably eight to 10 points a week. I don't think they're going to have a robust offense. Jarek McKinnon was a great comeback story, but we talked about yesterday. Tevin Coleman was kind of held out because the air quality and because it was a health risk for him. But when he mixes back in, barring an injury to either Mostert or Coleman, what is McKinnon's rep share? You know, and so to me, those are more all those guys you can make a case for them being owned it depends on what you're trying to go for for waivers if you re- ne- really need to patch a running back hole i would try to get one of those top four guys we mentioned first
0: yeah so on that on that next group here which i, I will throw gore and adams in here because it does look like we know for sure bell is going to be out for a couple weeks. I so on that- all the jets I agree with you. Uh, I would, uh, and that's what I'm going to say. I mean, you can, if I had to pick one of those two, I'm going to go Josh Adams. I did like him coming out of Notre Dame. He's, he's been here and there. I just think he's get you a little. He gives you a little more upside than Frank Gore. Now Frank Gore is yeah. probably going to be the one who gets you those touchdowns because I think he'll be the goal line back. But Adams brings you a little bit more. I'm with you on I would avoid him altogether. P, P-
1: Ryan is tracking to play again too, and he's a guy that they drafted yeah. that a lot of us liked. And so that makes it even more unknown. Was Josh Adams had a bigger role because P Ryan wasn't available? Does it end mm-hmm. up being P Ryan and Gore? You sink money into that. Frank Gore. He's yeah. going to give you 12 points when you have him on the bench, and he's going to give you 2.5 points the week that you're desperate enough to start him.
0: Yeah. So I was going to bring up P. Ryan as like a, a sleeper one. Now, I, I could be wrong. So I don't, you may be able to correct me on this. I heard yesterday that they were saying he may not be able to play till week three or four. So that's kind of why I was going to throw him on as a dart throw guy.
1: Possible. He has a projection now, and he's no longer, he's, he got upgraded to
0: questionable. Okay. So for me, then I would attack. McKinnon and Piran as those late-end guys that I would try and grab. And and McKinnon, because he did look good, as we talked about Sunday, and you obviously do have Coleman coming back, but the one thing, and you can say this about McKinnon as well, McKinnon, Coleman, and Mostert all have very lengthy injury histories. And so I, I hate to say it this way, but I almost feel like at some point, Coleman or Mostert might go down for a couple of weeks, and then that's going to lead McKinnon to getting more work. I would love to have a share in that Francisco. Francisco backfield, especially if it is Mostert, because I think if Mostert goes down, you're gonna see more of a 50-50 split between Coleman and the McKinnon. Then if you see Coleman go down, I still think it's a 70-30. Now McKinnon's still getting that 30, but I I still think Mostert's gonna get a a majority of that. So he's not he he would I would take McKinnon over Gore and Adams, but I'd probably take P Ryan over McKinnon, especially if he is projected to play. Cause as you mentioned the jets drafted him, there's a lot of people who thought he was going to be the guy next year because it looked like they were going to try and move on from Bell as soon as possible.
1: But I would completely fade the jets offense this week because they are hosting what figures to be an incredibly angry 49ers team. So not a good matchup for <laughs> not a good team. Is it, you know, we, I think, are officially on the how many games is Adam Gase left uh, as coach of the Jets? Watch, there was a lot of people that thought he, you know, that he's going to go during the season. Yeah. Very little about that opening week performance suggests that he's made demonstrable improvement.
0: All right, so um, for receiving options, I just put receiving options because I think there's really two tight ends. I forgot to put one of them on here. but There's two tight ends that I think are are fairly available, uh, which was kind of surprising to me. I think both are interesting. So for me, the top guys, um, and I'll I'll put the tight ends in here as well, Paris Campbell, Anthony Miller, Dallas Goddard, and O.J. Howard. Those, those are kind of my top four options. All the entire list here, Scotty Miller, Anthony Miller, Paris Campbell, Dallas Goddard, OJ Howard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Russell Gage, and LaVisca Chenault. The reason I lean Goddard and – or I put Goddard and Howard up there, we do know that the tight end position is very weak. Both of those guys seem to be – especially Goddard, I know – a lot of that probably has to do with the amount of injuries they had, but I do think that also leans into because of how bad their offensive line is. Wentz targets those guys a lot, and I think they're going to target him even more because Rager and Deshaun Jackson are guys that have they they use their speed to get open down the field. And if Wentz doesn't have time to wait and hold the ball, he's going to hit those two tight ends. Now, obviously, I don't expect Goddard to be what he was last week but he was a guy that you could start almost every single week last year as well that you know there were weeks you were going to get six points from but then you get the 20 points from him like you got this past week so I I do really like Goddard this week I I do like Paris Campbell as well we've kind of talked about him a little bit yesterday and off stream in our chat because we're all kind of big fans of his you know we talked about yesterday Anthony Miller and Scotty Miller two guys I kind of want to see a little bit more from but chances are if you don't get them this week, you're not going to get them because someone's probably going to go in on them this week. Uh, I want to save MVS, Lazard, Gage, and Chennault for a conversation here in a minute because I think those other guys are more pressing. So how, how would you kind of attack those top guys?
1: Well, to me, it's unconscionable that Goddard is known if he's not owned in your league. He I, was, I mean, he was a tight end one. I
0: agree. So – I went and looked. He's got a 65% ownership in ESPN and Yahoo. So, again, uh, he's owned mostly, but there's still, I went in in three of my redraft leagues, two on Yahoo. And again, both of these 12 team, 18 round drafts. You, we have 18 man rosters. He was available in both of them.
1: Yeah. And if you were somebody that, you know, wanted to make your stand on like an Ian Thomas or a yeah. Hayden or something, go get Dallas Goddard. I have there.
0: Hayden Hurst. Well, I'm I'm going Goddard if I can get him. That's who I'm targeting this week.
1: Hurst may bounce back. You know, yeah. people who were still in love with Austin Hooper. Go get Dallas Goddard.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: some of the then you have a couple of options, but Goddard to me should be owned. And then beyond that, I'm with you, Paris Campbell. We saw in Week One what we had thought we were getting when he got drafted. A lot of us were high on him going to that team in that location finally looks like he's maybe uh, getting into it a little bit. You, you know, you would ideally like to see it again, but I think the opportunity was going to be there uh, for one of those guys. He looked like he had a good rapport with Rivers, So I, he would be the top target for me of those receivers. Then I would go Anthony Miller, a guy who also has a lot of talent. His questions have more been the volume of his offense and whether, his quarterback's going to make an effort to get him the ball. I thought that looked promising. He's definitely worth a stash. And then Scotty Miller, you know, I'd say his ceiling is what we kind of saw on Sunday. He's probably like the 10 to 12 point guy, but he could also be the five to six point guy. If it wasn't Tom Brady, I would not even be advocating going, and getting him with that lineup. Howard, Howard's tough to tell. For me, you know, how much was Evans being out and Gronk working himself into game shape a factor here? I don't think they made enough of an effort to feature him with all the other options and that for me to feel good about him as a starter. If you're looking to stash somebody who might have some upside, great. But if you're saying, I need a tight end, I can start right now, I would think there's probably guys like Logan Thomas, uh,
0: ah, he's the one I forgot to put are,
1: on there that are on the waiver wire that I would target more
0: for that. So what, where, where do you have, so you would put Logan Thomas above OJ Howard. He was the one I left off there. I knew I left somebody off.
1: Yeah. Th- uh, there was a lot of hype that Logan Thomas was going to be the guy it was tough to tell, you know, what is that offense going to be like? But if you think about Ron Rivera and, and Scott Turner and the, the way they ran in Carolina tight end was always a big part of what they were going to do. And he looked like he had good rapport, with uh, Haskins uh, tight end and pass catching running back can be a young quarterback's best friend. That's why a lot of people were hype on uh, potentially what Antonio Gibson could give you. So I think with that good performance from Thomas, um, you know, he's somebody I would have more um, faith in than Howard simply, not because he's more talented, but you know, Tampa Bay has an embarrassment of riches all over the field and it's going to be harder. You know, the greatest thing in Washington is they have Terry McLaren and then a lot of questions and somebody who can kind of emerge. We wondered, you know, is it going to be Steve Sims in the passing game? Is it going to be one of these other receivers? Is it going to be a Logan Thomas? Is it going to be Gibson? Week one, it looks like Logan Thomas is trying to establish himself in that pecking order and there was a void to be filled.
0: So, this next group here are all kind of, I don't want to say dart throws, but lower end guys for me MVS, Alan Lazard, Russell Gage, and LaVisca Chenault. We talked a little bit about Chenault yesterday. Uh, You know, you mentioned that it seems like. Doug Marone has been saying now all offseason they want to build around this young core and and you know allow these guys to play. Chenault looks to be the guy opposite of of Chark here, and he's the guy that they will use in the backfield as well. So he brings a little bit of versatility, brings you kind of that option to get more than just points in the receiving game. You know, Russell Gage, I do think is kind of a product of what happened Sunday. We had Matt Ryan throw for 350 yards. All three wide receivers went over. You know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday as well. Is is that uh Sorry, 400. Yeah, is that, um, is that you know, was Russell Gage the reason why Hurst didn't blow up? You know, we were kind of talking about that. Lazard and MVS, it's not really close to me. And so I know MVS had a good game, and I was looking at this uh, earlier. I wanted to pull it up so I could make sure I got this right. The snap counts for yesterday. Have you seen this for the Green Bay Packers?
1: No, I haven't looked.
0: Okay, so Devontae Adams was out there on 70 of the 78 snaps. Not surprising. He's the one. Everybody loves him. Alan Lazard was out there on 68 of them, so he only took off 10 snaps. MVS was out there for 42. So that kind of makes me think that Lazard is the first sure second guy. We know that. I watched an interview that Rogers gave yesterday after the game, and he even said this to the reporters, which I kind of thought was funny because Rogers does seem like the guy who definitely listens to what the news and media says about him. And he said, "You guys know me. You know how much I believe and trust in my players." I've really built that trust with Lazard, and that's why I like throwing the ball to him. And we've talked about that as a fantasy group, right? Like we've always brought up you have to build that trust, or, or Rogers has to trust you before he'll go you, throw you the ball. He has built up MVS as well, as Dennis has brought up. Dennis is, is big on MVS. I kind of feel like, though, with Lazard being out there as much as he is, not only shows Rogers likes him, but the coaching staff likes him more. 68 out of 78 snaps is a lot. And again, it's just week one maybe that shifts and there's more of a split, but for 68 on Al Lazar and 42 for Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think speaks clearly to me that at least in the coaching staff's mind, it's, it's, obviously Adams, but then Lazard, and even a little bit of a drop before you get to MVS. So kind of your thoughts on those two, and then how would you attack Russell Gage and Chenault? Do you have any interest in either one of those guys?
1: So I think Chenault, for me, um, has a lot of upside, but he's going to be very boom-bust. I think Jacksonville's going to be boom-bust. I think that offense is going to be boom-bust. Um, so, you know, like if Chenault doesn't score a touchdown, he's in the 6-7 point range. Mm-hmm. So that's what you have to think, you know, can I survive with the guy I'm slotting out there getting me three to five points or do I need more than that? You know, and there's going to be times where you need to throw in a hail Mary player. He seems like the kind of guy that's capable of that gauge to me is a great injury hedge against uh, Julio or Ridley. If one of them was to go down, I think we'd see that gauge could be, uh, you know, valuable, Every week starter, I think um, his bigger day on Sunday, as we talked about, was a little bit of. You have Julio, then yeah. Riz is going to be there as well. There's always going to be a third, fourth, fifth guy. Hurst wasn't a big part of the game plan. Gurley got a little bit early, but then they got down, so they were just checking it, and Gage ended up benefiting from that. I don't think you can count on that. I actually think, as we talked about, Hurst will probably get stronger as you go through the season, him getting to be a primary, him getting to learn the offense, him building rapport with his quarterback. Todd Gurley is going to have games where they run a lot or they're throwing to him, and that's good matchups. So I don't think Gage is particularly reliable. I get what you're saying with the Green Bay receivers. Yeah. The smart thing probably is to go Lazard, but I'm going to channel my inner Dennis and tell you
0: that
1: <laughs> I have faced this quandary when I was looking at my own waivers and I put in some serious high dollar claims for MVS. And let me okay. tell you, that. physically, I, I was watching and thinking about what Dennis said that he's a matchup nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I think. The way the Packers are looking to play right now, they they have the running game they can lean on. They have Aaron Jones. They have Devontae Adams, who's an absolute beast. Lazard is a fine complementary receiver that they can go to. When they were putting MVS out there, they were putting him in different spots and looking for some terrible matchups and bombing over the top. It's not always going to happen. Yeah, Definitely a huge boom-bust risk, but to me – He's the guy that could give you 40 points in a week.
0: So would you say then, I guess, with those is more of a... You think Lazard has the safer floor, but then MVS clearly has the higher ceiling.
1: Yes, yes but I okay. think both of them could have a very low floor. I mean, right? the Vikings didn't
0: look great. Yeah, yeah that is very true. They didn't look great, though. Yeah, that was, yeah, w- w- which is what we talked about. Again, me and you had Devontae Adams as our wide receiver ones uh, even after the Thursday night game came out because we were like, yeah, th- this is just, it's a horrible secondary. So, all right, so we we have talked about trying to keep these episodes a little bit shorter here, so we're, we're about done. I just wanted to go through and talk about uh, – our rankings. again. we do these in the discord channel. I wanted to keep this kind of as transparent as possible. So call our ourselves out on some of the mistakes here. I did leave some of the injury stuff off. There's no way we could have known that the James Connors or Marlon Max could have got hurt. So uh, I didn't feel fair knocking us for those because they might've been good in the spot that we had them had they not gotten injured. So uh, some of our biggest misses on the week, all three of us missed on Drew Brees, Dak Prescott, and Carson Wentz. Uh, just none of them produced it. We all had them in our top uh, 10, which none okay. of them finished there. Uh, you know, again, it's going to happen. What I, And what I tried to do, just so people know, if you've looked at it, I, if I, I gave like a three to five cushion. I mean, I feel like if you're within three to five ranking spots, that's kind of fair. It's not that bad. These are guys that we all missed by more than that. Um, we were all... Uh, matt you had the most like almost dead on with joe burrow Tannehill, and daniel jones you were almost dead on with all three of this thing burrow was right on and then jones and Tannehill were like by off by a spot so you kind of nailed those uh like almost on the head uh we also missed on uh, all three of us although you two were both higher uh aaron Rodgers, we all had him outside of our top 14 he finished very high kurt cousins Minshew and Teddy Bridgewater were the other ones. We were all a lot lower on those three. They all had great. Kirk Cousins finished the lowest yeah. out of those three. But you,
1: you made fun of me for having Cousins up like I know QB two. You're like, yeah. Why do you love Kirk Cousins? I'm like, well, yep. I think he's going to have to throw in this game.
0: Yeah, it was
1: uh, that both defenses were going to take a nap.
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, he was. He was one of the big ones. So on uh, running back here. Our biggest misses, uh, all three of us, Saquon. I, I feel like everybody, I don't think anybody in the industry predicted him to get less than ten points. So, but you know, again, we're trying to be transparent. Uh, and him if and you
1: Joe- have Saquon Barkley as as an RB one in your ranks. It was it was a petty thing because yeah. I mean, he's a generational. Yeah, talent. exactly. Uh, Joe, the guy you're going by matchups, usually. Yeah
0: uh joe mixon and eckler with the other two but again same thing they were going to be in your lineups it was just one of those weird things i'm not like i said i'm not going to knock anybody for for the james connor thing because he got hurt i actually thought it was very interesting we were all pretty close in on derrick henry i think i had him off by four spots you almost had him dead on dennis had him off by two so we did kind of all come in right there uh i was obviously wrong on josh jacobs i, I had him down at 11 you had him at uh was it you? But you had him at four, Dennis had him at three. So, I mean, you two were right there, the, I and mean, he finished at one, but still, you guys had him right there pretty close. Uh, we were all off on Chubb and uh, Mark Ingram. That was kind of a weird thing, I Mark, think, for all Mark, of us. And
1: that That's gonna bear th- some thinking going forward because oh, yeah, there yeah, was my thing with Baltimore, that was unexpected. yeah.
0: Yeah, I was. i have working on my quarterback and and running back ranks here a little bit before we start recording, and and I'm not. I'm struggling on figuring out where to put Mark Ingram right now because I'm like oh, I don't wait, leave the Jets I don't know 50. what to think. 50. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. It's funny. I mean, we all missed on um on on Bell to begin with. He got he got injured though, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I don't
1: know if yeah. he would been able to to hit that RB two. Well, range. we
0: had him. We had him all low RB2, so I, yeah, but I'm with you. I don't know. It may have been the catches, but I think I was uh, – or Dennis was the highest. No, you both had him at, at 18. I had him at 20. So we all had him low-end RB2. We weren't we weren't that high on him. Uh, the other guys, uh, for us, the big one was Raheem Mostert and Malcolm Brown. And, again, I don't know I, – I did put Naheem Hines on here as well. Same thing. I kind of feel like Naheem Hines was a product of Marlon Mack getting hurt. So I, I don't think it's yeah. fair to say we missed on him, but yeah. technically –
1: and I, I was gonna put Heinz down near near the end. It was really hard. I Dude, think. you ranked
0: him. You had him ranked. Yeah. I was the only one who didn't have him ranked out of the three of us. When
1: when we were going through, there was a few of these committees that it was really hard to get a feel for them based on purely coach speak, not seeing anybody run. Yeah. I, I feel like week one was a crapshoot a little bit in that way. The Rams, the Colts. Yeah. Baltimore. I mean, there's so many group committees. I think Moser gets a big bump because he he caught a 76 yard pass for yeah. for a touchdown, which you don't expect. Yeah. And also, I don't think we realized until late that Tevin Coleman was going to be a scratch because yeah. of because of the air quality uh, concerns. So, I mean, there there are a few things. It's an imperfect science, you know, trying to figure out. You get this. I feel like everybody went in kind of. To week one with some of their preconceived things that you held on to that you had going into training camp because we actually didn't have any footage or anything concrete to make you rethink that and now we have some some game footage i feel like we'll all get a little bit better knowing a little bit more clarity of what these teams are going to do
0: yeah. And, and, but again, I, I agree with you on that. I feel like we will be a little bit better. Again, it's not much. I mean, when you really go through here and look, you're looking at five, six players, we ranked 50 running backs. Like I, in my opinion, missing out on five or six running backs is not that bad. And some of these guys, again, as you just mentioned, Raheem Mostert, like we all still had him ranked high. We just didn't expect him to finish as a top 10 bag, just based on, we thought it'd be a little bit more of a committee. I did want to throw a little bit of shade. I know Dennis will listen to this eventually. He did have Jonathan Ray- Taylor ranked at 25. I'm just saying me and me and Matt both had him ranked right near the top 20. He finished as, as RB 15. I know that was probably the Marlon Mack thing. I thought I had, uh,
1: 17.
0: Uh, you had him at yeah. You had him at 20. You dropped him down a little bit. You yeah, had him did. and Mack pretty close together. I kept him high. I kept him at, right. a, well, I had him at 18. So it wasn't that much. I had him at 18 and then Marlon Mack at 22. So I was still kind of close together but uh you know we we had separated him out but I just thought it was funny that you know he came in as 15 you finished him at you had him at 20 I had him at 18 so we were we were kind of close on that but th- those are really the big ones there again I'm not counting Philip Lindsay because he got hurt we we did have him kind of high then the wide receivers to finish it off Matt you had the most like really close on the only guys you really kind of missed on Michael Thomas which nobody expected Darius Slayton same thing we all missed on Darius Slayton and Michael Thomas as well. Uh, but then the only other big glaring one, which I, I only threw, I'm only putting this on there because I touted him and he almost nailed it right on the spot was DK Metcalf. You guys both were had, you both had lock it higher. DK Metcalf had that, that huge week. Uh, but I also missed on Allen Robinson, DJ Chark, AJ Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster um, and uh, Preston Williams. I had Preston Williams pretty high. He did not, uh, he did not produce for me at all. And then uh same with Dennis. Dennis missed out on a couple guys here. DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Anthony Miller, Demir Bird, and then, like I said, we all missed out on Darius Slayton. So not overall bad, I he don't think. Timur. He did rank, rank Demir Bird. That's why I put him on here as wide receiver 37. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. England now? Yeah, 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 he's on New England, yeah. Hey, you know, you gotta you gotta mix it up. What if he would have finished his like thirty, Dennis would've been able to claim the victory on that one. But yeah, he was uh he had Demir Bird on there. But I mean we all had I had Steven Sims on there. I don't even know if Steven Sims caught a ball. So once you get down yeah, to like that fifty I, range. I
1: was I was thinking about putting Steven Sims down at the bottom. I just wasn't sure what the volume of passing would be for Washington.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we all had, I don't remember if you had a guy on there that didn't do much. I mean, I'll give, I'll give you and Dennis this. You both ranked Tim Patrick and he, he put up like seven points or eight points, I think in that game. I so. ranked
1: Tim Patrick after we pulled Sutton. Oh, um, gotcha. Once yeah, see,
0: I, I still had Sutton ranked. When I,
1: when, um when we first did our pass, when I had Sutton ranked, he was the only Bronco receiver I had ranked. When he came out, I added uh Patrick and Judy down in the 40 to 60 range because I thought both would end up getting passes, but neither would be spectacular, which I think, I think Judy ended up right around 46. That was a disparity I had. I know with, with, uh, with a couple of people who thought, well, Judy's going to be an easy wide receiver too. It's hard. Your first game when you're going to, when you had no preseason, when you got none of that. So
0: no, I, I hear you. I was talking with some people about that Monday night uh, while the Steelers game was going on. There were people talking about, hey, I've got a... They they had moved like uh, Cortland Sutton to their flex spot, and not knowing if he was going to be out. And they're like, well, who do you think is going to have the bigger game, Judy or Fan? And I was like, it's going to be Fan. Like, he has... He already had that rapport with Locke. Even if they had a regular preseason, I still would have gone fan because they already had that rapport. He stepped up last year. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm interested to see what you – because he he looked better than I thought he was going to look in that game against a good Titans defense as well. So, I'm interested to see what he does moving forward. But that'll do it for us today. We'll be back on Thursday to preview a a supposed football game. The battle for Ohio, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be much of a battle, but we do have a football game on Thursday. So you'll see me, Matt, probably Tony back on Thursday to preview that game, talk about any news. We, we obviously have a lot of injury stuff still out there, kind of no confirmed stuff. So we'll, we'll update you guys with any injury news that comes our way. So we will see you guys again on Thursday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop. I came like out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an
1: unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throwing up
0: above his head. They can't jump and lead. Golly. they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>